friends, welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my see-through anatomy friend. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Alex Dandino. Just a model physique over there, the guy <laughs> posted to my life. All right, guys, before today's amazing, uh, the first part of our double feature presentation, we love double feature day. Uh, we do have some business. Guys, it's official. People, we are on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. It's the absolute best way to help the show, guys. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get in, join the community, meet our awesome patrons uh, over there at patreon.com. If you can, and you donate a little more to go up the Highlander official tier ranking system, you can pick the movies that you want to hear specifically in a Patreon-exclusive library. That's right. You want to hear about it? We talk about it. We haven't said no yet. No one has found the boundaries of which we're like, not that one. Uh, and we have some awesome ones. The library is growing. It's awesome. Our friends are great. We do some other fun stuff. Always working on ideas for Patreon. So again, guys, we know dollars are hard-earned, so we're working hard to earn those from you. So uh, again, that's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. We do appreciate it so much. For those of you who already support us, thank you. For Love those you. of you who are about to, thank you as well. Make sure you go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel Film Alchemist. If you want to <laughs> see our perfect anatomical faces, to go with our Hi. ventriloquist voices. Yeah. See ventriloquist stuff right now? <laughs> That's right. Film Alchemist over on YouTube. Uh, video pods over there and some other stuff we're working on always. <laughs> uh, make sure you leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. That's something free and easy you can do for us. Share us on your socials. Invite your friends. That's always great. Uh, speaking of social, we're on all the socials. You're on the email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com all right alex your business Very i do have a bit business. of business actually uh as you know i am a comic book writer from time to time and uh we are kickstarting right now a uh anthology series that i have a story in for um a pop culture website called um soda and telepaths the uh book is called producing the end of the world it's all apocalypse driven stories i have a story in there the title of which is the last song played will not be Freebird." uh if you want to find out what that story is, think about going to Kickstarter. We'll maybe include the link in the show notes and uh, go to Kickstarter. Check out the pages. Check out the campaign. Give us whatever ducats you can. I think the lowest thing is like five bucks. If you have five bucks, you get like a shout out or something like that. Or at least it's like a tip jar thing. But if you go a little further, we can give you a digital copy, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of great um, a lot of great stories in there. Actually, one of our guests from October, Rob Pilkington has another story in there, and his story is awesome, too. So please, please, yeah. please, please, uh, if you feel so inclined and have some extra holiday money, we'd love it. Thank you so much. Help the cause, people. Help the cause. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a wonderful anthology, guys. Make sure to go donate. We will put that in the show notes. All right. Speaking of business, uh, today... Jesus. Double feature. Uh, we love double feature day. I love the idea of taking two movies, putting them together, and watching how they bounce off, rub up against inappropriately, and alter <laughs> each other in a genetic level, right? Jesus Christ. Uh, of all the double features we've done, right, we decided now that our patrons, right, so uh, the people over on our Patreon, they are the ones now who get to decide our double features, right? We handed the reins over. And by God, today's... We have some really good ones on the list. Today's is the weirdest and most aptly paired duo I that's love on it. the list. I love it when the patrons actually do this. Like, they really marry movies in this way. and Because, like, we've had people who just want us to talk about two movies that could be the same, mm -hmm. very different, whatever. I love it when patrons are theming them. And this is... What a theme, this man. The, the ones we have Brody coming Kane. up are fantastic. Yeah. What so a Brody theme Brody Kane, has picked. <laughs> Brody picked. I, we haven't decided quite what to call it. Uh, we were going with maybe the cheap trick. Daddy's all right. He just seems a little weird. <laughs> uh, don't surrender. That's the other theme of this double feature. I'm not sure what you'd call it, but this is um shockingly and specifically bad dads. Maybe we can take umbrage with that. So first up. Uh, pin 1988's just 
lost horror movie i've never even heard of this fucking movie i mean which is usually it's another youtube discovery like we watched uh, i watched yes, it on YouTube. i had to find it on youtube that's right and then we are following it up with uh what was a very beloved film i remember this being a really like a hot film that everyone was talking about frailty mm-hmm. uh bill pax and matthew mcconaughey awesome fucking flick so we're gonna start tonight with pen again thank you brody kane this was a fucking call. journey phenomenal a fucking feature. journey all right, uh, Alex. So I turned on Pen. I'd never heard of it. I'd never seen it. I could only find it on a YouTube link. This movie is so aggressively bizarre. <laughs> and so deeply personal in how it is haunting. Yeah. They, it's one of those movies that halfway through, you're like, I need to call Child Protective Services. I just don't know for who. And where to find a time machine. My thought was That's I needed to call it on myself. Like, I was like, <laughs> I should not be watching this movie because this is Oh, weird. I felt the exact opposite. I watched it and I was like, I am such a good parent. I am such a good parent. That's true, actually. You did text me immediately after. Like, it was like right around the time. It was like, I had 10 minutes left in the movie. You text message me. You're like, at least we're not that bad. Hey, man, every parent struggles with uh, self-esteem. This double feature will help that <sighs> yeah. out, man. Um, so let's let's lay out the basics because there's going to be a chunk of you again. You can find this on YouTube. Pen, 1988. Hey, we'll never have seen this or heard it, right? This is how do I summarize this? So this is a movie. I mean, this is a Citizen Kane like story from like childhood till <laughs> end of life. Right? Up. This is a long. This is a life's worth of tale right here, right? Based um, on a novel, by the way. Jesus Christ. Based on I a novel, have to find that novel. Based on a novel by the same guy who wrote The uh, the Devil's Advocate. Not the movie, the book. Real? Dude, I've got to find these books now. That sounds fit. That Actually, this one is a book. Would probably rock my world. Andrew, and honestly, I Andrew love this Niederman. Movie. So here's the deal, right, guys? There's a dad who's a doc, right? He's got these two little creepy overachieving kids, right? And he decides he's going to teach them life lessons, right? Via a medical dummy. But not any medical dummy, right? Not the classic skeleton in the corner or whatever. He is a musculature system covered in like a plastic dome body named Pin, right? He's the titular character of the titular film. Titular character Pin. of the film. Have, have you ever watched um, Deadliest Warrior? It's like if one of those uh, dummies they use to show like how deep you can cut someone with like a scythe. It's if one of those was in a hospital. If you took Uncle Frank from Hellraiser and gave him the battle armor from David Lynch's dude. I just did a spit take. That was impressive. (laughs) Got your ass, right? Or as we call Uncle Frank here on the show, the uncle with the good dick, right? If you put him in the David Lynch dune armor right that like fucking blocky bubble armor that would be pin oh that's good yeah so the guy the dad's theory is he will tell his kids the hard things in life no pun intended uh via throwing his voice and having it come from this fucking muscle flesh man named pin not only is this man a learned doctor but a very accomplished ventriloquist yes and we'll get deeper. There's a lot more that he is also as well. Um, Boy, is there. Creepy highest above them, right? But So the movie asks us to, to suffer a lot, right? One, I've never seen a film that is so absolutely blasé with time jumps. They just fucking jump like 10 years at a time and don't even fucking acknowledge it constantly. Yep. So it will take you a minute to get into the, the movie, right? But this thing. So not only does this dad... He uses this thing as a way to communicate with his children. There is a scene where the young girl has found a porno mag. And this young daughter is very amped up to have sex, right? And she's maybe seven, eight years old, right? Yes. It is a wildly uncomfortable scene, which is essentially what the movie is strewn with. So her sexual awaken takes place at the exact same time. See, this is we're going to sound insane because it's really hard to get this all in and set the groundwork because the act one of this movie is like 40 minutes of the movie. And it's a lot, right? So as she's having her uh, looking at porno Meg's awakening because she likes tits, right? She likes the tits. She's obsessed with them, right? 
Correct. Weird, yes. weird lines big, happening. Big like, fan. do you think this big is fan. what mom's tits look like? Like a weird series of things to say, right? This happens right after uh, the young boy, Leon, went to see Penn to talk to him, right? Right. Because he's a family fucking friend. To the point where the dad gives his daughter and his son birthday presents from the fucking muscular system mannequin which he speaks to right that's how fucking creepy and integrated this thing is into their life it is an uncle frank santa claus omnipresent friend and sibling almost right it's horrifying so he goes to talk to pen right leon goes to talk to pen right he hears a, a a clatter right and he goes and hides behind a fucking curtain in walks this just meat and potatoes nurse right this is a real blue collar looking what a way uh, to put that lady right like she just looks a, like all of my aunts right she looks like, like a, just a classic candy striper just like you yeah. couldn't it you could it's just pick plucked out of central casting perfection. I, I mean this is like these are real working ladies right she's not this is a lady who just finished a hard shift apparently not only are the kids integrated in this life she fucks pin on the reg yep uh and so the young boy leon is caught behind a curtain watching this nurse and pins on top which gets to a, a theory i have later uh and he watches and has a mental breakdown about pen fucking yeah later that day as his sister's having her sexual awakening right she calls pen a dummy and he decides to smack slaps the slaps her in the face like i mean not just like by the way aggressively it's like it comes so fast out of nowhere like yeah I I was like I took a step back like I was like whoa my Go, goodness okay so again we're trying to fill the sandbox before we deconstruct there's a lot of things that happen in this movie whoa whoa <laughs> his f- turned rage at the insult to Penn who he just saw humping this you know lady nurse the mom catches him with the porno mag yeah so what is dad's answer obviously let's go talk about sex with Penn. And he talks about we need more humans, so that's why normal humans are thirsty for sex, right? Explain, that's why he phrases it. He's tr- basically trying to explain sex as strictly procreation. Yeah. It's the birds and the bees with this fucking creepy-ass doll and ventriloquism, which doesn't make anything less creepy. No. It's always more creepy. If you're thinking, well, maybe he's just a science dad and he doesn't know how to relate, right? He then says, hey – uh, son and daughter, let's kick this up a notch. Go take the washcloth off of Penn's dong, which they seem to insinuate is just this awesomely massive dong. Yeah. Because he's getting ridden all the time. The girl can't do anything but just chuckle. The boy, Leon, he does so, like the Chris Farley, like recoils. Yeah, and so he takes that dog. just like crusty jizz rag off of the dong. <laughs> You think the nurse doesn't mop that shit down? That's the final. That's the mop right there, man. I'm saying oh, that's. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Like, this no. movie is. Are you saying that Penn is the Howard the Duck of this movie? Oh, Penn is. Penn is Howard ducking everybody. <laughs> I think that is a lady who's. She's on duty, right? This is. I think this is more of a functional, not romance thing between them. Oh, and I think she cleans it up before she. I'm not leaves. saying there's anything romantic, but that's. I mean, she cleans it up, but that's the rag she cleans it with. You are led to believe that maybe multiple people in this universe are having sex with Penn on the reg. That he's getting laid more than ever. Yeah, Penn gets laid a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's Okay, so I don't know if we've done enough to set up the story of the movie. I feel I like mean, that's everything it, you need to know to get a story. What you need to know is that these, this, this young lad is sexually repressed beyond comprehension. And this, which is gr- weird because the dad seems like he's like, hey, man, it's fine. And this girl, the, the little girl who will turn into an adult at some point in this movie by via time travel wipe. Yeah, um, I think the first one is because he just is all of a sudden now he's like a 10 year old. The first one like, is literally a fade to white. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. The second one is a an exhaust cloud. And then we're just at a prom. 
And you're like, wow, this movie, I mean, by the end of the movie, they could be 50 years old, yeah. and I have no idea. This movie's 102 minutes. I got to tell you, it cooks. <laughs> like, you got to. <laughs> it's literally Citizen Kane of creepy fucking sex mannequin movies. <laughs> it, it's, uh, god damn, it's so bizarre. But, like, the groundwork, I think, that has been laid is simply, like, you have a sexually repressed young man. You have a young girl who's decided that sex is probably not. She's like semi-normal in some fashion like as she's normal just as very excited about sex right yeah. she has a dad who keeps a giant dong mannequin in his office and then you have He's the telling dad him who's normal. Yeah. the dad who is terry o'quinn um for those of you who know him the best great the great terry o'quinn most of you guys know him from lost he, i he's howard hughes from the rocketeer for me always for me he is the stepfather a uh, series yes. i cannot wait to cover i fucking love him and he's great in this movie because he's not playing a creep, but it's dripping with creep the entire performance. I think he knows somewhere he's like this. Did guy's you wrong. just say that this guy who ventriloquist who like throws his voice to explain sex to children isn't a creep? Oh, are we just judging methods now? Is that what we do? I'm judging wow. this method. I'm a parent. I don't throw stones from my fucking glass Fuck house, Fuck you. That's bullshit. Whatever. You and I have serious conversations about the stones we throw at other parents. That's true. All, I mean, I might as well be Dennis the Menacing fucking stones around. I, have ju <laughs> I judge the shit out of everyone. Pew, pew, pew. But what I'm saying is what I saw was a dad who loves his kids, mm -hmm. treats them like adults, which yeah. I am also a fan of. And it went off the rails a little bit. And I don't know that it's his fault as much as it's genetic. You don't always right? have to treat your kids like adults. I'll say that. <laughs> you could have left the washcloth on. I agree yeah. with that. I agree with that. But I don't think he did anything that wrong. There's some aspects of adulting that 10-year-olds don't need to be associated with it. I'm going to say this. When a daughter of seven says, do you think, I bet mom cleans dad's penis with spick and span right before they, like, that one was like, well, there's the line of the movie for me. All right there. kids, all kids are sexually and genitally fascinated at that age. I'm not. saying We all did the thing at the babysitter. Show me yours. I'll show you mine. Right. We all got in trouble for that a couple times. I'm not saying that. That's Dude, not I a got thing. locked in a room. I had to be quarantined from the other children because me and this girl got caught in the treehouse. Show me yours. I'll show you mine. Right. right. I got locked in the babysitter. Like she kept us apart. Like we were actually like infectious children. Like they used to do. I got put in the fucking chicken pox room because this girl was like, she initiated it too, first off. You got like fly tood. You got Eric Yeah, Stokes. and I was like fucking maximum of like five or six years old. And this, this babysitter just got the fucking vipers and we were quarantined. I got locked in a room and she just kept coming in and restarting Return to Oz. Which is such, like, talk about being, like, traumatized Man, from a sexual experience. That, that'll pin you right there. Jeez. Yeah. Honestly, I think back, and I was like, that was, like, I think she knew specifically she was trying to hurt me on a psychological. But that's what I mean. Kids are fascinated by how bodies work and shit True. and this and that, right? And this girl just had a friend who was feeding her porno mags, and they got a little, a little into it, right? And, I, again, I think what you see, right, is I think the movie actually has a pretty healthy attitude towards it, right? Is that. It's fine to be sexually interested and active, right? What you see is not... What I like, too, is that the sex is not her problem, right? Because you see that someone graffitis his locker, like, if you want an easy fuck, call Ursula, whatever, right? And he's enraged! Because <laughs> what the movie really is at its core is this really weird... There's, there's just this dripping uh, subtext of incest throughout the entire film. Oh, yes. There's no way. There's no way brutal. it's not a thing, by the way. Especially with the brother, but even the dad's like a little out there. But so he sees that and gets mad, right? He goes out. His sister's fucking in a car. He pulls this dude out and fucking beats the shit out of this guy. Yeah. And so what you see immediately is that the men in this family have a very perverse and sad relationship with sex. And the spillover effect of that for her is kind of the boat we ride the rest of the film, right? I, there is this weird dueling father and son not being able to cope with sex. What did you make of these father-son parallel journeys? I mean, it's uh, it's weird. I, I mean, 
I made they're both weird. Like to me, it's it's this weird. The movie talks about like male sexual repression in a way that's very specific. And it's and I gotta be honest, like it is a strange thing, like from a male because like this was directed by him. I believe this is a man named Sandor Stern. Um, directed by a man. It comes from a very male point of view, which is really strange because yeah. like it feels like. And I'm not saying this is necessarily how the movie is written, but it does have this a sense of like um, the daughter, uh, like the daughter's name is um, Ursula. It does have this like sense of like shaming Ursula for being yeah. essentially a normal, healthy human being. And that like, and not to say like, but like it's not glorifying uh, the brother and um, Terry O'Quinn. It's more this conversation no. of like, it's one of those conversations of like all these guys are fucked up, but she's just as fucked up because she's not somehow sexual, seriously sexually repressed. I, I don't know. Like for me, it was just this constant battle. It was to me this constant battle of like, who has it? Who's worse at being this repressed? Because like Terry O'Quinn's right. character is so uncomfortable. It was like this competition the entire movie. Well, what you're left asking yourself constantly, right? Because we see the mom just haul off and smack the shit out of Leon. Mm-hmm. Leon then passes that on to her, right? So there's a lot of this sins of the father and mother thing, right? Right. And that they are this family has this big opulent house. He's a fucking doctor. I think at one point Ursula's like, I remember our house being clean and the meals were on time and they tasted good. And dad asked us a question before bed. Right. And you're like, all those things are true. And all those things sound like a TGIF show that I would have watched. <laughs> You forgot the other fucking parts, like the mini myriad parts that are not okay, right? Right. So Ursula ends up getting pregnant at 15, right? Right. So this is where we start to see these kind of like, because you you start to wonder, I'll get to that. This is actually a really hard one to like not jump all over because it's very, there's a lot happening here, right? So we see in the, she gets pregnant, right? She thinks she's pregnant at 15. This is the the crack, right, that's going to implode this family, essentially. Or at least the mental health of most of them, right? Right. And weirdly, the only one who seems to come out of this not scarred is Ursula, which, again, I think is a male POV thing. Yes. Because um, the scene is played to horrifying effects, right? She comes to her dear brother. She's like, help me, help me. And he's like, we got to ask Penn. And this is the emergence of, oh, now he can do Penn's voice himself. Right fucking what what again it's and then so but because that because he now speaks for pen she relents into telling her father who's a doctor who decides i'm gonna handle this myself and has maybe the most disturbing moment of the film right and he's like are you scared yes sir good as he's about to perform this procedure on his own daughter and he, this is the weird where I'm like, their journeys are somewhat connected. He asked Leon if he wants to stay and observe to learn. Walk me through this moment where all of these various psychosis are congealing. I mean, you got to think back to that sneaking a peek of the nurse, banging out pen. So there's a little bit of that. It's this cyst, it's your sister. I mean, it, I don't know. I'd say like the word you used is perfect. Congealed psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly how I'd put it. Again, what I what I love about the patrons too is that on an instinctual level, <laughs> they see a movie like Penn and they're like, "This is for our guys. This is for our friends. Yeah. We're the show." I appreciate, that, I, I appreciate that these are tailor made. Like. <laughs> These curations are often like tailor made to like see (laughs) how far they can push us, which again, I I appreciate the hell out of. (sighs) Yeah. Having a, having a guy recreate his dad over a latex thing is that's a, that's a push, man. I again, and you know, we've never been in a, again, you're right. Like we said, this is at the top of the show. We've never been in a situation where we've been pushed so far yet. Like that is just not in our wheelhouse. And like this one finishing it, I was like, no, I was surprised how deep in our wheelhouse this one was. <laughs> I I agreed with that. I was like, fuck, if we haven't built a show for this. Also, I was like, 
Ugh. I felt gross when this one ended, <laughs> right? And it made me think a lot of thoughts that I wasn't pleased yeah. with. Yeah. I, I forgot to text you, but I we because usually we put my kid to bed and uh, you know, like we do like a whole bedtime routine. And I forgot I forgot to text you right before I like put my phone down because I don't let him play with my phone anymore before he goes to bed. But I was like, I think I need a shower after watching that movie. Like, yeah, I it yeah. felt like the way I felt after watching like Wolf of Wall Street. I was like, oh, I just feel gross. Like I just feel like. But there, okay. So this one has this. I was telling you, I'm, I was trying to kind of place what I thought this movie should have been, right? Because this is a movie that got lost, and I was like, this feels like an '80s slasher for a lot of it, right? It's shot that way, and it's an '88 film. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is the forerunner to the kind of basic instinct, fatal attraction, like the the erotic thrillers that it were coming does in the have '90s. This Joe Esterhaus feel. Yes. And there's a version of this where you could have seen this being like Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt or one of these guys having like their first like big role as Leon in the mid 90s. And this being like a big budget movie. Right. Like you right. throw in your like fucking Ashley Judd and Johnny Depp and Leon. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird between eras. If it was like 92 <laughs> to me, this would be like. Um, it, sort of the way it's, it's interesting, like watching it i was like this sort of feels like the way like what less than zero was kind of supposed to be was that like push out of the brat pack yeah and that to me is like the vibe this is, is like, the, the brat pack probably read this and they're like oh god this is the tuesday <laughs> yeah like this is the kind of movie judd nelson which should should have just been like chomping at the bit at and like someone handed him the script and he's like guys judd nelson on. is just like wait are we saying it's strange to have a room full of fucking <laughs> muscle sex dummies is that not cool is that wrong Oh, I'm sorry, wow. I find this wildly yeah. offensive. Why? It's Why? Like, I haven't really wrong, slowed Jay? down a lot since I got cast in Breakfast Club. This is wild to me. This is new information. Okay. I like, yeah, I love the idea. That is a great <laughs> Judd Nelson just sitting there and being like, this is really offensive. Judd, I know it's a very weird. No, no, no. This is. I like these things, okay? Why are you making fun of my lifestyle? Like, that's. Judd Nelson's just like, why won't his bitch sister be friends with Penn? What's going on? <laughs> right? Like, what's happening here? Um, Jesus Christ. All right, so to move on, right? Moving on. So we learn that Leon has a full psychosis, right? Because she does the, hey, how'd you learn how to do that? She's scared. Yeah. Because she's seen her father do this. We see some really good shots of her watching her father do it. A little bit of mouth moving, right? But she plays along. With her brother now, it seems very different. This is kind of scaring her. And he goes, do what? Right? Oh, fuck. Now we got a full psychosis going. Yeah. So the parents die in a car crash. Again, this is like kind of the end of Act One, which happens like 45 minutes into the movie. Which, by the way, is like my favorite car crash <laughs> scene ever. It's just like. It's, it's truly one of the best scenes in the movie because <laughs> he's just this driving. Scene really has it all right. The look so, on his face while he's driving. <laughs> but just clear not driving driving, which I love. But OK, so yeah. he forgets his notes. Mm-hmm. He tells his son, get out of this town, fucking go to college, right? He goes back to get his notes from his office. Somehow his son has beat him to the office and is, you know, miming it up with pen or whatever. <laughs> he sees it and is in an abject tear. Right. In the look, the way they keep cutting to Penn's face, his slack-jawed face, like he got caught jerking off. It, it's like, it's so good. The way they shot that is fucking brilliant, yeah. right? Again, it's shot like a ninety. It's shot like a nineties erotic thriller. Honestly, exactly right. And so he's staring at Penn, right? And the dad. It's the one moment of the film you're like, I hope this is the the crow, the crows coming home to roost, as it were, the chickens coming home to roost, where the dad's like, you know what? I tried to be an open man of knowledge. It's too much. It's too much. There's a small crack in the the levee, and now it's a flood. It's a fucking flood of insanity, and I can't hold it back no more. So he takes Penn. He's like, I'm going to fucking donate this thing at my talk, whatever the fuck this is. But on his talk, he's got to drive like 95 miles an hour down this yeah. curvy ass road. Leon's crying at Penn. Oh, right. Right. This gets to a scene that I, there are two things that were happening in this scene. I don't know how to square this circle. Right. Do you think the father was also a paranoid schizophrenic? And then in that moment, he realized what he had passed down to his son, right? 
No. Or are they insinuating in some way that Penn becomes this like cursed artifact that we pour things into? Because in this scene, <laughs> like as he's the, driving, the blanket it's like the comes Wishmaster off. Jim. <laughs> yeah, Penn's moving. He's staring at him in the rearview mirror, like looking at the fucking manifest muscular no, face see, of like, all of his parenting think... failures. Because there, okay, so there are two things, right? There is the the what? What did I just say? Paranoid schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And the fucking sexual trauma he experienced. I feel like that's just bad writing. Right? <laughs> or it could have been one uh, layered on top of the other. Right? Like maybe both of these things just happened. Right? And he's the perfect sure. time bomb for this. It did make me wonder. Do you think the dad had the same kind of issues? And that's why he's such a weird guy. I don't. But Penn is how he coped. Whereas Penn, Penn is, is how his son attacks. I think that. I don't, I think Dr., uh, I think the doc, Ter- Terry O'Quinn, I think Terry O'Quinn just was not, look, I, something is, you know, there's actually, we haven't obviously have a, we don't have a musculature uh, doll in the house yeah. to talk to our kid, but this is something that, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks, like our uh, kid, you know, we've realized like we're parents now for a toddler. And it's less about it's not about just keeping him alive now. It's actually about teaching him things and like boundaries and learning how things work and that kind of stuff. So like to me, actually, when watching it, I was like, I didn't sympathize at all because I think that's weird regardless. But what I can say is that, like, think you about take out your parenting tricks notebook and just scratched off, <laughs> scratch off living doll. Not going to happen. No. <laughs> but like. When I thought about it, though, like, because I, I look, I, I do like to cast big stones at bad parents who I believe are in this double feature we have tonight. But I'm just afraid those are good. You remember the old playground rule? I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever. You yeah. throw at me, bounce off me, it's next to you. But I would be afraid of that. But I thought about this, like, on the molecular <laughs> level of, like, if I was a doctor. And yeah, yeah, like, it's a fucked up thing to do, to be honest with you. Like, right. It's not a good thing. It's a bad idea, but like if you're a doctor, is it that much weirder than Santa Claus? Well, or the Tooth Fairy? Again, like this goes. I mean, back, it is visually. This goes actually like, to the other movie we were, <laughs> we're going to talk about today. But like, did you just hear all of our audience just saying, "Yes, it's weirder"? Did you it, watch the movie? It, it's absolutely. But I'm saying, pull weird. it back. Take your own. Take right. your own biases out. But if you pull it is back, it's weirder? a doctor who's. Let's say not the most loving person. Let's say he's a pretty cold, calculating. He's a man of science he's a man and of logic. Science. So yeah. a man of science and logic who doesn't necessarily have the tools, the tools that you might, you and I might have to speak to our children plainly. His methodology is wrong, but the concept of trying to it's the it's it's the same thing as like people who have used like sock puppets and shit like that in the past to explain complicated stuff to their children. It it runs along that Are same. Are you saying parallel. that Penn is just Big Bird? I'm saying Penn is more like. <laughs> I, I'm saying Penn is more like Barney if it was if Barney was a dildo. Oh, if you fucking skinned Barney and everyone fucked him. I, it's it's the wrong methodology. Yeah, but I don't think it's psychosis past. You that. don't you don't think he. This was a genetic passing down. No, I think okay, because I wondered. I think Leon. When the he's psycho. looking in that mirror, I was like, "Is this something like now his like? Because this was his tool to cope, right? Sure, and reach people. Now that he has to get rid of it, is that why he's malfunctioning, or is he just like, I'm gonna slam the gas and just gamble because I have fucked up a lot, and I can't take the weight <laughs> of this anymore." Uh- I don't know if I'd go that far. I, I think him bursting in. When he turned catching... that light on and his son and Penn both gave the the Kim Cattrall face from Mannequin, <laughs> he's just like, burn it down. Burn I it think, all down. Like him bursting in on Leon while he's <laughs> doing the patter with, with, with Penn, to me, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, that to me is a great scene in a movie that has no business having great scenes in it. Because... This movie's this got mo- like eight great scenes. It does, but like this, <laughs> m- this moment because that's that to me. I was like, "There's no way this is psychosis." Like what it is is like, "Oh my god!" Like this thing that I actually thought it's like the perfect. It's a perfect example of like every parent's nightmare is like we teach our kids something and they extrapolate it to the point where you're like, "Oh shit!" Like 
I don't know how to pull this one back. Like you throw them a fucking cliche, and next thing you know, they're like questioning existential shit. And you're like, oh boy. Yeah, right. Like, I was just trying it, to get you to be quiet and leave. Well, we were just wa- <laughs> like I was just watching the Sopran. I was just watching the Sopranos, and it's like that. Like AJ goes to Catholic school, and they have a teacher there who has them read like Albert Camus, and he's like, God is dead, and you're like. There it is right there. Like you yeah. want a kid to learn, but if they learn too much, they're not going to be controllable in any way. It's like the same. It's this like really fucked up version <laughs> of the same thing though. Like you're essentially teaching your children with a fucked up Barney about the birds and the bees. Of course the extrapolation would be eventually they'd figure out what the deal is. And like, okay, Penn doesn't talk to me. Dad's not in the room. But if, if that pin had been like a Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah. Do you think this goes any different for this family? No, I do not. That's what I, I think I'm, I'm going to go. I don't think pin is the problem. here. Maybe <laughs> I'm going to have the, the least hot Teddy take Ruxpin, ever. Maybe dogs would hump it more other than that. No. Yeah. I don't think that was the problem. <laughs> I have a, I have a story I want to tell so bad, but I can't on the next zoom. I'll tell this story. Because I don't know if my friend would be okay with me telling me. It's one of, anywho. <laughs> so, oh, God. All right. So, the parents die. The boy shows up. He saves Penn from the car. Because he loves Penn. He right. brings Penn home and puts Penn in his dad's suit. Right. Long story short, he essentially turns this. Penn becomes the doc. Yeah, but with, like, weirder hair, like Michael Myers 5 hair. I thought the hair that Terry O'Quinn had in this movie was weird anyways. <laughs> <laughs> he always has the, like, divorced dad who's, like, on tender hair, like, trying to fucking do more than it should. But <laughs> even in, lo- even in Lost with a shaved head, it was like that, yeah. Just be fucking bald. Yeah, go shaved head. But so anyways, he brings it home, right? Now he's the king of the castle. We have a fucking brief, and I mean fucking brief interlude, where his aunt comes he gets the ant, and again, another one of those great scenes. The doll, I'm behind you, Dorothy. And just gets lucky, I guess, and she has a heart attack, right? <laughs> so he gets to continue this ruse. The last time I know a touchstone, right? They were 15 when the abortion happened. All of a sudden, they have, like, jobs and stuff. Like, they could be, like, 40 years old for all I know at this point. Because when they said she was 15 in the movie, I was like, times two, minimum. So they are probably 30s, 20s, whatever the fuck age they are, right? Right. They're going to try to restart this life now with uh, three of them in the house. I think that's what Leon says at one point. There's three of us in this house now. If you don't like it, move out, live on the streets. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? When she won't eat dinner with Penn at the table. This sounds... I'm trying to imagine what someone who didn't watch the movie is like, I'll just check the pot out. Yeah, this is is super important. And we're probably like... We're probably like 35 minutes into this show. It's really important you watch this movie before you listen to the pod. I never say that. It's really important you see this before you actually listen to this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn. Can we just talk about pen skin? Yeah, let, we have to. So it's let's so... Put it, this is one of the weirdest things the movie accomplishes, and it's a fantastic, right? This is a giant donged sexually functioning anatomical skin doll, right? It's Uncle Frank and David Lynch Dune Army. Yeah, solid real doll. Yeah. If inside of Baymax was Uncle Frank from Hellraiser, that's what this guy is. (laughs) When they give him a pale-ass white face and hair and a suit, he somehow becomes at least factor of ten times creepier. (laughs) And I honestly have to say, I think that's fucking wild. I think that's insane that they pull that. (laughs) It's, it's something else, man. Like it's, (laughs) this is like, this is the thing. The fact that this movie doesn't stop dead in its tracks when the skin goes on that body is that's impressive work. This movie is not to That's be sniffed. world building. This movie is not to be sniffed at. Like the fact that this movie exists alone is impressive. Yeah. Don't sniff at this movie, but you will constantly imagine what that thing must smell like. Pen. It's it's not only that, but it, I, actually, the thing I kept wondering, and 
I, I, I should have brought this up at the very beginning of the show, but I have to ask you, like, I was watching this movie and I'm just like, who is this being like we at who's this made for? What me. like me. I'm I guess the target we, demographic. I guess for I'm this the film. target. Like <laughs> somebody this is, Okay, because this is what I was telling you, right? I so appreciate a movie that is effortlessly bizarre and haunting. Right. And what Penn is, is it feels so fucking unique and personal. Right. Right? There's something extra there that so fucking roots the the scary shit in this movie that it actually like broke into my soul and I was like uncomfortable watching this a lot. It's there are a myriad of split personality I movies. I think what's impressive slasher movies, this one has that extra. I think what's impressive about this movie more than anything is that not only that it exists, but that even though it is beyond comprehension weird I am hooked the entire time. And again, the, yeah. it's a really important thing because we've watched a lot of movies for the show and we've watched a lot of movies that like I lose it. <laughs> I, you know, like, I mean, just in general, like we watch a lot of movies just in our lives and you and I always go by, like, if I pull up my phone while I'm watching a movie, clearly there's a problem. Like clearly yeah. there's something that I have lost interest in. Yeah. This movie People like I watched it on my phone at one point because I, I kept going between my phone and my TV because I was trying to hide it from my kid. And then at one point, <laughs> you so, let the boy watch just like the doc. You let Andrea, the boy my watch. wife was actually like texting me and I was literally ignoring her text so I could finish watching the movie because <laughs> I was just like, this is. Oh, incredible. there it is. You're throwing those fucking rocks, dude. But There's that's your like, house. but that's exactly what this is. It's like the fact that that is this movie should not be engaging in a lot of ways. It's a weird idea, and it's it like it shouldn't work at all. Mm -hmm. And it works so well in the regards of what it's trying to do, which is like, right? Yeah, it's like this weird erotic thriller kind of. It's like a precursor. It to It starts erotic to thriller. devolve right when you're like, all right, she's on a date. Now he's on a date. The girl's yep. licking him. He doesn't want it. Right? He's not normal enough to be thirsty for sex right also that guy just looks like, like the, the peeping tom guy sorry i'm just also saying her boyfriend stan could also be anywhere from 50 to 30 years old <laughs> i have no idea he talks a lot about high school football right weird yeah. um that was the one time i was with leon when he's like i just don't want to eat around you i want to leave this room i don't care about high school football yeah he's like but the same age as uh that he's like the same age as um uncle that, rico that guy from uh <laughs> No, uh, John, uh, John Hawks, same age as John Hawks in the Scarecrow movie. The oh, teenager. God, yeah. <laughs> the teenager. With Shout out, Adrian. Fucking, yeah, just that mustache stained with 20,000 cigs. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, right, dude. Uh, <laughs> but no, but that's what I mean. So the movie starts like, all right, they're doing like kind of basic slasher setups. Watching him wheel pin around while that girl tries to get out of his house. And he doesn't even go for a kill or anything, right? No. Watching him not react as she runs into his sister's arm and she just holds him like, what's wrong with you? And we see the remote control. That's deeply unsettling stuff, right? When oh, yeah. we see the scene, the scene, I'll tell you the scene that ratcheted it up for me. So when he's like, bring the dude over to the house, right? And this is where Stan is going to meet Penn. And you know Stan's been prepped. You know, all of this has to be somewhat manicured. Right. He's so excited to get Stan into that room. I was like sweating. Like it felt like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> family dinner, right? Yeah, totally. With grandpa. Right. And I was like, this is not okay. This is horrible. And Stan seems like a mostly decent guy. He tries to play along. He's like, oh, you like chocolates? He talks to Pin. He doesn't yell at him. He's not like an 80s bully. He tries to buy in, right? He talks about how nice the food is. And there's this really beautiful moment that I fucking love, right? This is why I was like, this movie's doing more. He runs upstairs, right? So he runs Penn upstairs, mm -hmm. hides him in a room. And he's like, be careful of him. Be careful. Or whatever, like, Meg Mucklebone voice he's doing, right? Right. And he just goes, you know what? He's nice. He liked my poem about raping my sister and having 200 kids. Because that doesn't, I mean, hey, write what you know, right? Sexually yeah, exactly. repressed hey, weirdo listen. creep. But anywho, he's like, he liked my poems. He's a nice guy. Lovely. Yeah, he's a nice guy, right? Right. 
And he tells Ben pretty much like, hey, man, zip it. I want to go back downstairs. He's excited as fuck to go back down and be with his sister and her new friend, his new friend, right? That he hasn't had the whole movie. They casually throw him being bullied in the entire film. He's always alone, and the only people that walk past him say horrible things to him, right? Right. He's so fucking excited to go downstairs with his new friend that treated Penn like a worthy equal, right? Who acknowledged his writing talent, right? Who his sister likes, right? In that one small moment, that's the one moment in the film you're like, there's a chance for this guy, right? Like, he obviously has a problem, but it could go okay. And when he comes downstairs and they're fucking, he's sick. He wants to rape you. His poems are about rape. He needs mental health. Pen's a fucking doll. This is insane. And watching him come around the corner and keep like that kind of straight face was just this really weird mix of empathy for a character who's not empathetic at all. Yeah. And horrifying. It's like oddly heartbreaking, honestly. Because he all he does is say, I mean, the, the weird sexual aggression towards his sister makes it a cringy movie often to watch right in that moment though i felt fucking horrible for this guy yeah it's a and really, i think the best movies though they give you that one it's a very you know when you're thing. like in like the poseidon adventure and you swim to the top and there's that little air bubble and you're like mm-hmm. and that'll keep you alive for like another couple minutes that's what that was yeah. it's a very Except for then he goes down and drowns it's and a it very difficult thing to put in a movie like this to give your yeah. character who's bar none the weirdest character you've seen in most movies any sort of empathy i mean he's in the pantheon he's the top like fucking 20 percent weirdest character in a movie it's it's difficult to put that in a movie at all and give like not only like like you can give characters that are weird empathy in some way but like that particular sequence itself is so well placed in a movie like you said like it is the air bubble that gives you the extra it gives you the room to get to the end of the movie because you know where it's going like there's not a lot of like it's very well telegraphed it's not a thing that and it doesn't it doesn't take anything away but like we're pretty a lot of these movies you can feel the the structure kicking in yeah and the best ones just survive like when we talk about frailty next frailty is a movie where Everything in that movie is laid out real fucking fast. Yep. And you're not really surprised until like the third twist at the end, but that mm-hmm. all happens in the last five minutes. Yeah. But it's still so effective. And I think that's what this is. You Same. know that he's not going to have a clean break from Penn. Yep. You know that that boyfriend's probably not going to be able to stay in the picture as constructive. You know the sister's going to have to confront the fact that she's just been letting this fester. Right? And so when he attacks the boyfriend not surprising horrifying not surprising uh when the sister hears the watch i was like fuck that's a brilliant beat that's a brilliant beat right she hears his fucking nerdy watch they fight and what i love in that moment too right that's another one of those great is when he's like why didn't you lie for me to pen pen we find out that pen was named for pinocchio pinocchio by ursula because he never lied and his nose grew right and there's that great moment where pen says I never have lied to you. I'm not good at it. Neither are you. And he's like, you should have done it. We did all this for her. And he goes, you didn't do this for her. You did this for you. And so even Penn is sick of Leon's shit. And Ursula runs in with that fucking axe. And it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. It's awesome. It plays out beautifully. You find out that Stan's alive. Ursula gets to be happy and surrounded by not creeps. Uh, She moves on. And he has become a he's living become doll. He's become Penn. And he's the living doll. Someone yeah. goes in and puts his makeup on every day and gives him that fucking Nicolas Cage from Adaptation hairdo <laughs> every day. Um, It's so bad. It's so bad. It's... And there's this beautiful moment where she's just, even after all that, she still is like, hey, is there anything I can do for you? We're going to be gone for a bit. Have you seen Leon? She's like, no. I really miss him quite a bit. Me too, man. So do I. And it's, it's just there. There is a strange, poignant element to this. It's a film. really poignant, brutal ending. Fucking devastating. But also, it's weird because as it's devastating, you're also elated that Ursula can escape these creeps. Agreed. Like Ursula, it's... just by being in wanting to be in charge of her body, 
suffers an enormous amount of torment more than the movie plays. Yes. Um, and it's nice to see her happy at the end. So I, cause I, I thought what they were getting at was that she fucking ax murders, both of them and that her boyfriend was going to be alive and she earned yeah, dead that, uh, and she was going to get framed for it. That yeah. last what fade out and to fade out to white. I also thought the same thing. Yeah. So you're like, Oh God, no. And it's thankfully not that mean spirited, but what I'll take away is again, effortlessly weird and haunting which i love very memorable yeah um pen is a great prop in a movie the performances are strong yeah. and it's just a very well crafted work it has more than just this is the weird doll movie right it has these extra layers where it's functioning and it it's very aggressive and in your face but i mean it was also an 80s movie which a lot of them were um and it can be very cringe but there's a lot of extra going on that I really loved in this film. I thought it was wonderful, honestly. Yeah, I was not expecting much, and I gotta tell you, it was really like it was just it was just I thought it was just gonna be a weird movie that we'd spend like 20 minutes talking about, and honestly, like there's a lot more to it. I I, I appreciate any movie that can do that and surprise me like that. I that's what I love yeah. about this show, and that's what I love about doing the pod because this is the kind this is the exact kind of movie that is fun to talk about. Not just because it's off the beaten path, but because it just sneaks up and surprises you like yeah. an inanimate object speaking with apparently. And I just I've read I read this uh, Jonathan Banks's voice. Really? Wow. Apparently, Jonathan Banks was the voice of Pin. Interesting. Weird. Just yeah, snuck up on us with no washcloth on. <gasps> just that crusty washcloth. Just. But also. I'll say this, too. I want to give uh, Brody a little extra love here because the movie to pair with frailty, right? There are a lot of movies I would get to before this. Yes. And I think that's the thing, right, is that he saw this movie and it really stuck with him and was memorable. And again, it's this it's this. Do you believe yourself or this exterior voice that's trying to answer your questions and your problems? It's a fucking brilliant Double it's feature a, pairing. It's an incredible frailty. double feature. I, I yeah, you got unbelievable. Give it up, a Brody, fucking what plus a for that. Yeah, killer. So good. That's All it. right, that's it for Pen. Put the washcloth back on. It's over. Get the spick and span out. Get ready for your shift tomorrow. That's it. We loved it. Uh, that's not it for us guys today on your feeds. Also, double feature. So you should have Pen and Frailty today compliments of our patron brody kane if you want to be a patron join the fun support the show uh pick some movies that's patreon.com slash film alchemist pod we assure you even a dollar guys anything you can do to help us out join the fun we will reward that and we appreciate that greatly the email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com the youtube is film alchemist you can find us on all the socials you're on go find alex's anthology comic book producing the end of the world on kickstarter that's right we'll have the details for you in the show notes uh make sure you go donate over there to the good cause uh again we'll be back for frailty thank you brody for the film alchemist i'm josh griffey i'm alex tandino and i'm also pen <laughs> squeeze i don't buy that Oh, gross, you actually ventriloquied on me. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>